everybody. Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast. Holy crap, it's August. Football is here. It's August 1st, Thursday, August 1st. Uh, as Jason Lockenfora, who will join me shortly, likes to point out, through the magic of time travel, we have moved into August 1st. Um, and August means one very important thing besides football. Today is literally the first football game of the year, the Hall of Fame game. But it also means that it's time for your fantasy football drafts. I'm Will Brinson, by the way, the host of CBS Sports' Daily NFL Podcast. Another podcast you should check out on the CBS Sports Podcast Network, Fantasy Football Today. Our fantasy team comprised of... Jamie Eisenberg, who was on yesterday's show. Heath Cummings, who's going to be with us all year long. Dave Richard, constantly dropping in. Uh, record an episode every weekday throughout the end of the season. Sleepers, breakouts, bust, mock drafts live in the air. Listener interaction via email and Twitter. It's the best way to win your league. Subscribe to the Fantasy Football Podcast today, anywhere you get your podcast. Um, now we've got to welcome in. Always excited to, uh, to talk to the man, the myth, the legend out on, uh, out on training camp assignment currently in Detroit, but we got some news we're going to hit. Jason Lockenfora, what's going on, buddy? How you doing, buddy? Uh, I'm great. I, uh, I just sprinted back from, uh, my folks' house. Got, uh, got to swim in the pool this morning. Did some HQ via phone. Um, made fun of Pete Prisco because, uh, for various reasons, mostly involving his insides being rotten and him being old and in a in a in a in a, uh, a burnt up crisp of himself. Um, it's rotten insides. Pete Prisco and his rotten insides. Yeah, if I ever like, had a band, that's what I would name it. <laughs> Pete Prisco and the rotten Prisco and the rotten inside. It's <laughs> spot on. We both were on uh, CBS Sports HQ, our twenty four seven streaming sports network, which you can get on Amazon Fire TV, Roku, uh, Apple, wherever else you get your you know cbssports.com slash live, and it's free. Free, 24-7. You can fire it up in the background. You don't need to pay for cable or whatever those bundles are. Just get CBS Sports HQ. Uh, we were both on there to talk about Michael Thomas signing a massive extension with the Saints. Five years, $100 million, reportedly $61 million guaranteed. Um, it makes him a, quote-unquote, $20 million a year receiver. Although, Jason, as uh, those of us who are math majors know, he only makes $1.3 million this year. So really, six years, $101.3 million. Not exactly the same thing, but whatever they want to put out there, you know, and promote yeah, themselves. I, I mean, look, it's, it's all these deals are two or three years, and then, you know, the team will either say you're not worth it anymore and whack him or he'll have outperformed it because who knows what you know what the what the going rate of stud wide receivers will be three years from now. With the new CBA perhaps well, definitely a new CBA. You know, with new uh broadcast deals on the horizon, maybe with um I want to say maybe with a massive influx of gambling money sponsorships and stuff by then. But for now I mean uh, this was one where it was kinda of laughable to me. People are like sweating this holdout. You know what I mean? It's like, dude, he's going to miss a couple of practices until, you know, they massage these numbers a little bit more. But when a team comes out and says, look, we're, we're, we're willing to give him like more money, you know, than, than basically any receiver's ever made, there's a pretty good chance that deal's getting done. Especially for a guy like him who has made no money to this point in his career. 
Right. Uh, Michael Thomas was a, uh, a second round pick, which meant that he did not get a fifth year option. So he didn't have that big, uh, escalator in his deal. Um, but it also means that he's able to, uh, he's able to, to hit the, you know, to, to be able to get that new contract before, um, you know, he, he made 450,000 as a base salary his rookie year, 682 the next year, 915, and then was scheduled to make 1.14 million. So I even, I even went a little higher than, 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 than he actually is going to make. We had a, you know, I mean, a deal that's basically like a $5.1 million rookie contract. And so now to be able to get 61 million guaranteed, and we'll see if that is the fully true guaranteed number. But I mean, like, yeah, I'm guessing that's an injury guarantee, but still, I haven't seen the full breakdown of stuff. I'll be honest. Right. Nobody, I don't think, I don't think anybody has. And that's the thing. It's like, we're, we're as a reporting society and a, and an analyzing society or analyzing, you know, group of people we're not good at the idea of being patient and holding off until it and and that's why it's just dumb anyway this is a longer spiel but the point is is that thomas look this is easy thomas just turned 26 in march he's in the prime of his career he has a 77 percent catch percentage he was over 90 percent through like six or eight weeks last year he led the nfl at receptions he is a alpha number one wide receiver who made an all pro in his third year and is developing into one of the premier weapons in the nfl it's i i just don't like I'm with you. I understand why we're all like breaking Michael Thomas signs extension. Everybody rushed to analyze, but it was kind of a layup of all the holdouts out there of all the like issues involving wide receivers. Like the only one that's less of a big deal than this is the Julio Jones deal. Yeah, no, it, exactly. And, and the thing about this one is though, and what I think they really recognize is they were trying like hell to add a receiver before this break deadline mm-hmm. because like, this isn't even a Batman Robin situation. Like, he doesn't have a Robin. You know what I mean? Like, right. Ted, Ted Ginn is like his Robin. You know what I mean? Like, this, this is not, you know, um, you know, Julio Jones and there's a Roddy White there. You know what I mean? And now there's a Ricky. It's not like Tyree Still when he's also got, you know, a Kelsey. Like, Ben Watson was their number one catching tight end last year. Yeah. You know? Like, Michael Thomas was that. That's why they got Taysom Hill and so many different people involved in it. You know, and and that's why they threw a lot of balls to their backs because, like, it's not like it, this guy was, you know, a one A and there's a one B and then a you know a C and a D. He's like A and then there's like a, you know what I mean, a couple of C plus B minus maybe at most. And so I give him all the credit in the world for for what he's accomplished, and they recognize it. And you know what? There's going to be a day sooner rather than later where the wide receiver's got to help break in a quarterback because the quarterback's not going to be the guy who steps into the building and makes everybody around him better. You know, that whoever the next guy is who replaces Drew Brees, it's not going to be Drew Brees from day one. Right, and the other thing, too, is that, and I pointed this out, is, like, if regardless of what Drew Brees does after this season, if Drew Brees retires after the season, it won't matter. Michael Thomas was going to have a big year and then was going to have to be franchise tagged. And at, you, at that point you yeah. can't be like, well, Drew Brees is leaving. So we're not going to pay you, you know, like right. you, you need to go ahead and pay him now before Amari Cooper potentially becomes an unrestricted free agent next year before Julio Jones signs his deal. Because as Pete Prisco reported on CBS sports HQ and on this podcast, it is basically a fate accompli that Julio Jones is going to sign a deal that is, uh, you know, uh, whatever, like $101 million later this week or maybe next week. I mean, like Julio is going to top Michael Thomas. And then if Amari Cooper is a free agent next year, or maybe even if he's not, he's going to top those guys. I mean, there's it, the, the wide receiver market is not the same as the quarterback market, but it's kind of close in the sense that like, if you have an elite level player, 
and he is close to unrestricted free agency, he's going to get paid. And, that, and that's just sort of where it is. So if you're the Saints, it makes all the sense in the world to sign this guy now. It's the same reason the Falcons signed Julio Jones the first time like five years yeah. ago. Because, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because they know the back end, you're getting, you're probably getting him for cheap or like a, or like, yeah. or cuttable numbers if he doesn't perform. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. I agree with everything you said. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, we're done. Uh, we're done yelling about him. <laughs> no, I mean, like, I mean, I'm not going to bash the, I don't want to, I don't know. We we had again, like we had this HQ segment this morning, and it was like all hands on deck, and it's like, well, okay, like it's fine, but like let's settle down. It's it's really just a for sort of a formality here. Like this is not the, right. you know, it's not that big a deal, and it's not even really August yet. I know you're saying it's August, but it's not August, right? Right. right. In the real world. He signed on July 31st. Um, it is when people are listening to this. It is August 1st because it won't be published until 6 a.m. Um, Okay, the uh very quickly your thoughts on some other holdouts here. Uh Melvin Gordon seems like it is going poorly. Is that the buzz that you're hearing as well? Yeah, I don't think it's going anywhere yet and I don't think there's any um urgency or or or, or there's no there, we're not close to any kind of boat deadline there and I don't think either side is planning it. You know, if these guys want to play a couple preseason games without them, so be it. We're playing anyway. And, you know, they can talk up Austin Eckler and, and all this stuff. But then, you know, we'll see. I, I, this is one where I don't think they even really start talking to him in a little while. Like, I don't think they even really start talking to him. And, and I continue to hear from people involved in that scenario that at the end of the day, a short-term deal is, is possible. A true two-year deal, something like that. A two-year deal with a third-year option that either vests or becomes voidable based on production. Um, you know, language potentially saying we won't franchise two years in a row. There's a bunch of different stuff that they know is out there to creatively, you know, get something done. But um, it's it, it's not like they're exchanging proposals back and forth. It's not like there's a whole lot of dialogue. They're kind of just in a wait-and-see mode, which I get. Um, you know, we've just come through the, the mythology of OTAs in spring football. You know what I mean? And pumping that fake stuff up. It now people are acting like the first couple of days of training camp are, um, you know, the end on be off and, and, and you're like, Oh my God, he missed the practice. I, I've been, I think I've visited 18. I've seen maybe two football practices <laughs> like that. I would actually couch what I saw as a football practice and not a glorified walk. Okay. So like, if you think Melvin Gordon is gaining anything out of a glorified walk really, it's just risking. It's, it's just, if you're him, why would you risk it? Why would you risk braining an ankle, right, in in some three-quarter speed handoff drill? Right. Like, you know what I mean? Why? Like, talk to me at the end of August. When we, it, 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 this is just the reality of the business of football, um, and especially at that position, that, that's going to be the norm. Um, there's more of a sense of urgency to speak. There's much more back and forth there. There's much more of a dialogue there. Uh, but But this one, I get it. Like, I don't think either side is freaking out. Like, he's willing to sit out for a while, but they look at what they have. And then there's going to be a point where we're into August somewhere, you know, third week of preseason, preseason game. And then I expect them to kind of start talking and see where they are. And, okay, you know, if you backed off, if we backed off, is there is there a middle ground here? Hmm. All right. I, I mean – was your is your sense of it that Zeke Elliott will miss any snaps of the regular season? I would assume no. no. Okay, I don't believe so. And by the way, Jerry Jones did the John Breach. John Breach had a great point earlier this week, and I don't know if 
I had sort of forgotten this until Breach mentioned it, but Jerry Jones did the whole, I, I just don't, you know, I just don't know if you can win a, a Super Bowl with a running back. And, uh, Breach correctly pointed out that, that Emmett held out that year and missed the first two games. And then the Cowboys lost both games and they were like, absolutely peed their pants. Take whatever you want. Yeah. Panicked. And we're like, here's 15 million over four years, which was, yeah. you know, like a, you know, like a monster deal back in, in 93. And, and, and he won the rushing title and they, they won the Super Bowl. So, um, Look, actions speak louder than words. Go back and read all the everything he said publicly and everything he did privately to try to keep that guy from being suspended. And and not that he's one who's necessarily worried about his reputation, but the way he put himself out there and the way he was making guarantees and strong arming the league. Like, like I'm sorry if you think he's like you know just a really good back, but not the most important person in your offense. You're not you're not going to war like that. Right. The way he did, you know the. The, the PR battle that he fought for that guy, that's, I'm sorry, that's not the norm. Yeah, and, I mean, don't forget, like, Stephen Jones has said, he's a straw that stirs the Cowboys drink, and, you know, like, I mean, we will get, yeah, I mean, I mean, he might be right. That I mean, doesn't mean you can give him five or six years, but that's another one where I just don't, I don't think he's, look, I don't think, I don't think he's in a position to be jeopardizing game checks either. I believe that deal gets done in the next uh, I, I think it's done in the next seven to ten days. Mm. Uh, Trent Williams, you first reported months ago that he was not comfortable. And by the way, this is this, this is why the NFL news cycle is annoying. It's like, yeah, you reported this, and then I reported that he told the team, "Trade me, I will never play for you again." He was he fractured relationship with the with the medical team and with the front office, and that they knew this, and it was not about money, and he was not going to be there at training camp, and he was telling his boys, "I'm not playing for these guys again." Yep. And then and it's like, well, point. maybe that's not what's going to happen. And then it's like, well, it appears that he won't play for the Redskins again because he doesn't trust the training, the training staff. Now they've signed Donald Penn. Uh, this is just a, a pure and simple, he will be playing somewhere else next year if he plays, right? Probably. I mean, is there a way for Dan Snyder to, you know, get on a helicopter and go up to his house and, and, and try to broker the peace? I, I mean, I, I'll never think of it. I'm not saying there's no chance he plays for them. I'm just saying he's pretty stuck in. And um, it, 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 They've signed two tackles now. I think they realize the severity and gravity of the situation. And with where they are, with a, with a coach on the hot seat and all the quarterback injuries and all the quarterback injuries, you know, I think at a certain point there, pretty soon, you got to move on, especially a position that important. you got to move on with who you're going to be going with. And, um you know, my, my reporting back then was that, you know, a trade might be the most viable solution. And in the end, that could certainly be the case. Uh, let's talk about the places and things that you have seen on your training camp travels, starting with. The oh, Will, what happens on the road stays on the road. <laughs> have you been to Vegas? Like, <laughs> I've been in bed, like, my 10, 15, pretty much. Every <laughs> like, worn out, like, literally falling asleep at, like, 1030. Wow. No, no, no wild late night stories of, uh, parading around Indianapolis and, and eating like really spicy cocktail sauce. No, <laughs> no, no. no. I'm, I'm, I'm old and beaten. I'm like, I've turned into Frisco, honestly. I'm like counting how many beers other people drink and narking on them. No, I will never <laughs> be that bad. I will never be that beat Frisco, but, uh, that is, yeah, this has been, I've got another early morning tomorrow. So even I'm with the friends in Detroit. But I think we're just gonna go to our buddy's restaurant and have a you know, have a nice meal and that'll be that. Uh, by but the no, way, man, early, early, early wait, oh whoops, I screwed up. 
No, I'm actually driving to Canton, Ohio right now. I take that back. I'm sorry. I forgot, I forgot where I was at the time and space continuum. Um, all right, but in all seriousness, the biggest, the, like by far the biggest red flag is something that you, you tweeted out about Andrew Luck. Um, what, and yeah. I, John Breach said on a scale of one to 10, he said six and a half or maybe 6.4 when we talked about your tweet about was, Lux, yeah. uh, Lux calf injury. What's, what's your sense of how serious I, I this could be? I was trying to ask him a question. I literally wanted to ask him a question like, Hey, Andrew, this is probably a silly question and maybe you can't answer it, but given all you've been through with your shoulder and how in tune to your body you are, what is your personal level of concern scale of one to ten? Are you ready? And I, I kept barking out, but I, I couldn't get through. I, uh, but, but I, you know, from everything, from watching that, and also just being there that day, like I've been on teams' campuses for an oblique moment where you don't even necessarily know what it is, but you just start with the PR guy turning around, you know what I mean? Like a, a chicken with his head cut off, and then you see like Sam roll up in his, you know, uh, golf cart, and then you see these like hot tones, and then you see somebody turn white, you know what I mean? Pale, and then mm. pick up the cell phone and call somebody else. And it's like I've seen. Like, oh, bleep, this this wasn't it. You know what I mean? This this wasn't that. Um, now, maybe part of that is just after all they've been through with him, there's nothing involving the cast muscle that's going to get them to freak out. Um, it is a thing. Like, it's something. He, 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 he thought that this would have been completely resolved by now, and it's not. So that's a concern. I think you have to call it a concern. And as much as Andrew sidestepped the word setback, this was a setback. Went out there for three days, did a little seven on seven stuff. And then decided I, I shouldn't do anything for a while. So, so that's a setback. But I also think where we are, um, it was still July, even in the back of the future machine. Even in the DeLorean, it was still July when I talked to him. So um, he's still got plenty of time before the regular season. And I, I think he's being very smart about this, whereas in the past he admits he, he may not have been. And the bottom line is, like, if he had to go play a game that mattered tomorrow, he'd play it, and he'd probably be pretty effective. You know, now would it eventually get worse and all that? Sure, but I think he's said he's played through a lot more pain. And um, I, I, I spent a little bit of time around Chris Ballard and talking to Frank Reich. I didn't get the sense that anybody was freaking. And the reality for him was he wasn't going to develop the preseason anyway. What I think this now does is effectively put him on bubble wrap for good in the preseason and it's all about week one, um, but there's no medical procedures that need to be done. It, it's a calf strain. They're going to try not to exacerbate it. They'll do everything they can for rehab and recovery. Nobody's more diligent than him. I, I don't think it's going to be a big deal come September. Mm. All right, let's uh, take a quick break and then we'll come back to discuss a, the health of another young budding superstar quarterback. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. 
The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. All right, so we talked about Andrew Luck and his calf injury. Um, I don't even know what the in, I don't think there's an injury per se with the Eagles and Carson Wentz, but Jason Lockenfora was in Philadelphia. Um, where do you stand on looking at Carson Wentz and saying, all right, this guy, like, what's your comfort level on him being able to play 16 games this year? I, I don't have a crystal ball. Um, <laughs> You know, who who knows if he's going to take a, a shot to the back or something. I mean, there's things we just can't foretell, foresee. But I, I think he's an MVP candidate. I think he's been an incredible statement. The guy has always been fairly ripped. But to see him that first day at camp and see how lean he looked, it was noticeable. And to see, you know, big number 71, you know, Jason Peters standing there at left tackle, like with that mount of a man, you know, that, that's got to – even on a subconscious level, help him. And to not have anything on his knee for the first time in forever, it's just, I, I just think he's, he's playing more free. Um, I think he's sort of unshackled mentally and physically. They've got just an array of weapons there and a really smart staff that knows how to do so. Um, I love the makeup of the D-line. I think it's going to be um, pretty potent and impactful. It's a, it's a really good football team, and I think he's going to have a monster year. Hmm. Is this the best roster in all of football? Or is it? do they at least have a claim to the best roster in yeah, all of football? Yeah, it's up there. I mean, for me, it's way, way up there. Because uh, I think it's deep and, you know what I mean, and talented. And there's a nice mix of, of young and old. Um, you know, I think the Chargers have a great roster. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, who else is to mind? I mean, a lot. some people put the Cowboys up there. I think that's more because of four or five stars, maybe, than everything else. But... Um, I, I frankly wouldn't put Dallas as, you know, quite in that stratosphere. The Saints, the Saints, yeah. I think you could put up there. Saints, Saints are up there, absolutely. Um, but yeah. I like Carolina's roster a lot. I mean, if if that offensive line can avoid catastrophic injury, I think Carolina has a heck of a team on paper. I I'm with you. I said that on HQ. I think the Carol I Carolina's sixty to one still to win the Super Bowl. That's too high. It's, really, it's too high. That's just too. That's odd. Yeah, that should that seems. I it's come it's way it's come down to forty to one in certain spots. I would encourage anybody who listens to this podcast that is interested uh, in perchance pursuing a Panthers bet to go ahead and jump on that if you have it out there because uh, it will be it will it, it's just going to be moving um, closer yeah. to forty. Well, that, to 1. A lot of that probably had to do with Cam, right? And the more you Cam throw in the preseason games, I think that number will rapidly 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No doubt about it. Um, and then the, the Panthers. Yeah. It, but anyway, the Eagles, I mean, the Eagles are like, do you look at the Eagles and say, all right, this team is the clear cut favorite in that division? Or do you, uh, well, they are, I think it's them in Dallas, but I, I think they're, I like their quarterback way more than Dallas. I like their, their culture and their ability to handle expectations and what they just did getting that, you know what I mean? Generations long, uh, monkey off their back by, by finally bringing a Lombardi to Philadelphia. Yeah. Um, I, I believe in their coaching. I mean, I think Kellen Moore will be good for the Cowboys, but like, I don't know that. You know what I mean? There's no body of work. Like they're, they've already done it in Philadelphia. Um, I, I, I think they're on paper the best team in that division. And, and, you know, Dallas, like it's always something with Dallas, like Randy Gregory, you know what I mean? And then it'll be somebody else that's suspended before and is going to be able to play or is it something off field. It, it just it's like, there's all, you know what I mean? There's always drama there. And I, 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 I think that's part of the reason why they haven't been able to get out of their own way at times. Hmm. Um, all right. The, uh, what about the Browns? You checked out the Browns as well. I can't, probably, I probably maybe even a while ago. Maybe the last time I talked to you, you were going to Cleveland. I think that, I think I that's was right. In Cleveland. I was on, I was in Cleveland. Week and a half or two weeks Sunday. ago. Sunday. Yeah. Sunday. Okay. Well, so today is, today is quote unquote, I'm using air quotes. <laughs> yeah. So this would have been five days ago, I guess I was there. Uh, yeah, yeah, I was in Pittsburgh Saturday, right? I think I was in Cleveland Sunday. Okay, maybe it was Saturday. I don't know. Who the hell knows in the t- space time continuum? Um, how, what's your uh, what's your what's your uh, sense of Baker, like Baker Mayfield? I mean, like, uh, is this? I, like I mean, I love Baker Mayfield, but is this going to be? Is he legit ready to make a a leap into the MVP stratosphere? Well, if you were in, uh, if you were doing the second half MVP award for last year, mm-hmm. and that team that had one like. Three games in four years, one went five and two down the stretch. Would he not have been in your? Would he not have been on your list? Uh, he would absolutely be on the list. No, I mean you add in, you add in Odell Beckham and you get Hugh Jackson out of the building and all that madness. You add a couple of big depth tight ends to to be able to get out there and you know in the red zone with Njoku and give you this ridiculous amount of you know short, medium sized, and massive targets. Uh, you know you add a Kareem Hunt who was Look, I mean, everybody I talked to there was like, you should have seen this guy in the spring. Now he's dealing with, you know, an ouchie right now, but he should be back um, at some point this week to practice, and then obviously he can play in the second half. Uh, I don't know if they have a left tackle, and that could, uh, you know, undermine the whole damn thing, but if Greg Robinson is remotely serviceable or they upgrade at some point, then I don't see a whole lot of causes for concern offensively and defensively. Sheldon Richardson and Olivier Vernon, I mean, it's, it's super early, so who the hell knows. But it looks really good. Um, you know, we all know what Miles Garrett is capable of. That, uh, that's a formidable team. Thank mm. you, kind sir. Dandy Don Zanzibar taking care of the people. Hey, look, we highly encourage, uh, are we, are, is Detroit, Detroit is Eastern time or Central time? Uh, Detroit is Eastern time. Okay, good. So it's only three o'clock on, th- on, a, on, a, on, Wednesday I'm afternoon. done for the day. Hey. I filed I filed two team reports and I'm driven I don't know how many miles in the last week, so yeah. I'm drinking a beer with Danny Downs and by three o'clock. No, nah, there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. Um by the way, as we were talking, uh John Dorsey popped yep. on NFL Network with Andrew Siciliano and Willie McGinnis 
and said of Duke Johnson, Duke is a valued member of this valuable member of this organization moving forward. Freddie has bit Freddie Kitchens has big plans for him. Uh, do you buy or sell that? Uh, you, buy that. you buy? Yeah. Like, what are you going to get for Duke Johnson? Like, if you could trade Duke Johnson and something else for a good left pack, like Duke Johnson and a high pick for uh, Trent Williams, okay. You know what I mean? But, but that's not, you know, that's, that's not going to happen. Like, you would get uh, maybe a fourth or something for him. I, I, if there's a player swap out there that makes sense, maybe. But right now, I love what Nick Chubb did last year, and he looked to be in an extraordinary state, and I think he's going to have a monster year. But he was hurt a lot in college, and so who knows? So why would you compromise your depth? I mean, if it's week eight and you're going in the trade deadline and you know that Kareem Hunt is still on track to come back from the suspension, you know, because let's be real, you know, a lot can happen in two months and the league is watching. So if you know he's coming back and Chubb is good to go and somebody wants to give you something that you need in a position group that's not as deep, you know, in late October, then so be it. But I would, I would be, I mean, why would you trade him now? He's, he's a complete bargain. Um, and, and what they're doing offensively, he will be utilized in a way that Hugh Jackson just never did. Um, I will. I, I, I mean, I, I, I was there. I talked to a lot of people on and off the record. I don't think they have any intention of trading Duke Johnson. Mm, all right. Again, unless, unless it was part of a package to get a left tackle. Right, right, right. Then, then it would be a different situation. So you, so this left tackle thing's freaking me out, man. I mean, like, it's almost like people are willfully ignoring the fact that they don't have somebody at that position to protect Baker Mayfield and that the offensive line is dealing with a bunch of new starters, dealing with kind of a new offense. I don't know. There's just a little something about the Browns. It's a little too easy to put the Browns in the playoffs, in my opinion. Well, I think Baltimore's going to be really good, and I came out of Pittsburgh a skeptic and left. Maybe they're just, like, really good salespeople there, but I left thinking, you know what, I, I bet it is a little addition by subtraction, and I bet I am overestimating, you know, Antonio Brown and, and Le'Veon Bell. I, I think collectively they still may be able to put up similar numbers, you know, as a whole, team passing, team yeah. touchdown. You know what I mean? They're not going to have – nobody's going to have, you know, 1,500 receiving yards and 14 touchdowns. But I think collectively they probably still will be. Okay. Um, so, no, I don't think it's going to be easy for the Browns. And, look, Greg Robinson, I mean, there is a lot of Claytum mold there, and, you know, some guys develop later than others, and, like, maybe the light bulb it comes on and he puts it all together, and, you know. But one thing we know about them, they will be aggressive, and they will explore everything. And if there's a chance to get a proven left tackle that puts them over the top, um, they didn't exhaust all of their money. You know what I mean? They still have cap. They're fine with the cap, and they they still have cash on hand if they need to spend it. So, hmm. um, okay, one more question. You were in Detroit. Remember, Gettleman paid all the money bonus to Odell. You know oh, what I mean? Like, yeah, those guys paid the bonus and then traded them whatever a year later. Yeah, I mean, like that is undersold in this whole deal. It's like not only did it's they unbelievable, they got unbelievable. It. Yeah, it's like not only did. Like Dave Gettleman unnecessarily spent all that money when he could have traded him for just as much, if not more, the year prior. Like the you know, yep. I don't you could have gotten two first the year before, and he and he paid in that big signing bonus. Like that sort of sleeps people sleep well, on that. Gettleman, 
the gentlemen has to get a playoff share. They have to give gentlemen a playoff share if they get in the postseason for the first time. <laughs> this, so that's multiple teams. So Josh Norman has said that Dave Gettleman is winning for us in Washington uh, with the land of Con- did you, and By the way, we didn't. I don't think we talked about this on the on the on the, on the show previously. Maybe maybe I just missed it. But um, did you see where what Landon Collins said about Dave Gettleman? Yeah. He wants to. He said he was like, I'm going to run up against him. And then he was like, later, he's like, how dare anyone take that seriously? It's like, well, you seem kind of serious about it. Like, like if you bump into Dave Gettleman. I I didn't see the video. I read the quote. So maybe there was something, you know what I mean? I'm not going to say that I know all the context. I read about it. I didn't actually see it. Um, Well, I can't tell you how serious or not he is. I mean, I have heard players joke in that regard before. Um, but, like, people are going to write it. Like, if you say that, people will write it. Yes, of course they're going to write it. And, by the way, he was on with uh, Mike Garofalo. I mean, it was a it, it was a, it was a quasi-serious, like, I mean, I, I, it wasn't, they weren't, he wasn't like, I'm going to run him over, you know? It was like, right. I mean, it was a, I mean, like, it felt like he was serious, but not, um, not like in a way, like, he was out to, like, out for blood or anything like that. Right. So, but, I mean, at the right. same time, it wasn't like, you know, you don't, joke about that if you're if it's not there's there's some intent there you know what i mean like like i think if he yeah. accidentally ran into dave gettleman he'd be like ah oh, that was pretty funny i mean he and josh norman don't like dave gettleman in the story there there are a series of stars who have left gave dave gettleman led with animosity towards them, right and you can take it back to steve smith and josh norman and odell beckham and landon Cotton. like you could put together a pretty good football team of nfl players who don't like dave gettleman yeah, yeah, very, very good. I mean, Steve Smith could come in and be like your wide receiver too right now, next to Dave Gettle. I mean, next to Dave Gettle, next to Odell Beckham, that'd be a pretty yeah. dangerous little, uh, dangerous little combo. But Eli will never end up on that list. Nah, Eli loves Dave Gettle. He's bailing him out every, every which way. All right, uh, we're going to. <laughs> Snoochie boochies, man. I haven't heard that line in a while. Might have to bust out the, a little, a little. It doesn't uh, stand up. I, I tried watching it recently and I couldn't get to it. Which way, which, which, like, just clerks? Or could like, not get through it. Yeah, clerks. Mallrats holds up a little bit. I didn't really like Mallrats as much, much in real time, so I don't know that I could do mm. it now. I mean, it doesn't, I mean. Affleck and Mallrats just, I, I just, even like. He's such a douche. Back then, it just, ooh, I wanted to punch him in the face. I think that's why I dislike Ben Affleck now. Yeah, that could be for me too. I've never really, I mean, I like Goodwill Hunting, like whatever, that. I bought that thing, whatever. They hook, line, and sinker. I, I sure. was like, ooh, this is great. It was great. Uh, by the way, Ryan Wilson. And I, I still think it's a good movie. Yeah. No one loves to quote, uh, Mallrats more than Ryan Wilson. And, uh, I can't remember what his really? last, I can't remember what, yeah, no, I can't remember what his last name is, but. I can't remember a single line from Mallrats. Well, the, the best one is, he's like, um, he's like, I'm going to take her and, uh, take her and put her in a very uncomfortable place. And I don't mean the back of a Volkswagen. Uh, that's Ryan's favorite line to use for whatever reason. I don't know. It's a, Who says that? Does Affleck say yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. Affleck says that he's talking about a um, a, uh, a a sexual act. Um, and 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 then very anyway. Um, yeah. Yeah. We're I'm getting off the rails here. Um, one more one more camp to talk about, and we'll get you out of here so you can really go drink that beer quickly. Uh, you are in Detroit. Hey, are you are you yes, drinking? Sir. What kind of beer are you I'm drinking? In the D. What, <laughs> I'm drinking a Miller Lite. Full disclosure. Nothing wrong with that. I like a Miller Lite in the D. <laughs> and Dandy Don Zanzibar's back porch on a gorgeous day. That sounds like a hell of a way to spend a, a Wednesday as you're, or that, like, that sounds like a great way that you spent yesterday. 
but how was Lions right, yesterday? <laughs> how was Lions camp? And uh, do you have any? Doesn't feel like the most optimistic team in the world, right? So, do you have any optimism for how this team could be? I think it's going to be an uphill climb, you know, based on the division and and some other things. I really wanted to see this. Like, I think like the D line when they're all together could be interesting, and I'm intrigued to see how Patricia uses them, but. You know, Trey Flowers is on NFI and Sack on a different, you know, Sack on another, you know, not not participating list. Um, so you don't really get, you know, I didn't really get much of it. Mike Daniels just got there, you know. So from that standpoint, it, it was hard to glean much. Uh, I, I think the most, the thing I came away, if I'm a Lions fan, the thing I would be most sort of, um, I won't say happy, right? I guess I'm not happy about my thing. But what I would be most sort of intrigued by is the fact that through their self-scout, they did realize, like, any, if you talk to anybody in the analytics community about the 2018 Detroit Lions, they'll say, like, the most predictable first down team, you like, like, shockingly, disgustingly predictable on offense on first down. Right. Which eventually led to Jim Bob Cooter being gone. So, I, I not that you look at Daryl Bevel and be like, he's going to reinvent offensive football, but I, I do, well, I don't think, I know talking to people there privately that, like, they're, they've done a heavy self scout, and the kind, the way they approach first down from a formation standpoint, from a multiplicity standpoint, from a run pass uh, balance standpoint, should be changed significantly. Mm. Um, I, I think they have, you know, they, they have a few intriguing pieces. I think that Matt Patricia has has um, built some bridges and won some people over, and I think there, there's some things he definitely learned from year one. Um, the vibe there, you know, remember this time last year, it was like players saying that camp's too hard and he was already sparring with the media, you know, like it really got off kind of sideways fast. And I feel like there's, um, there's more of an understanding among some people there now, but do I think they're going to be able to compete in the NFC North? Like, boy, I, I don't think so. Hmm. Is there any reason to believe that the that Matthew Stafford will return to his gunslinging ways, or is this sort of a... Well, I, I think, I mean, look, they're, they're, they, they, they still preach the importance of running the football, probably more than personally I'd like. But they're paying him a lot of money. This is something of a big year for him. They changed coordinators. Uh, I don't know about the 456 receivers, but, you know, they have three interesting targets. They took... A, a tight end who they were moving all over the place at practice today um, on the field, you know, very high in the draft. I, they're going to throw the ball more, and I think they're going to put it in Stafford's hands more. Um, you know, and, and we'll see. All right. There he is, Jason Lockerfora, well-deserving of a uh, of, of several cold Miller lights. Under- of a domestic, well-deserving of a domestic group. Hey. It's cold domestic. Let's not, let's not, let's not sell cold domestic brew on a hot Detroit summer day on your buddy's back porch short here. Okay. That's a, yeah, that's that's living. That's living. That's living. There you go. Two movie quotes for you. You can quote Matthew McConaughey or you could also, uh, quote, uh, Dave Damashek of NFL media when he says you are uh, cheating life. JLC. So watch JLC. Yeah. I like, I like cheating life. You are, uh, watch, uh, Jason Lacafora on CBS Sports HQ. And uh, follow him on Twitter at Jason Lagafora. Yeah. Looking from judging from my schedule, you'll be seeing me on HQ all the time from Canton, Ohio. Like oh. all the time, oh. every hour. Oh, you know what? I forgot to do, and this is sort of embarrassing, but you brought it up, so you're gonna have to talk to me for three more minutes. Um, okay. 
preview the the uh, the Hall of Fame game that starts tonight. In my mind, it's, it's you, see, you see what happened with the time space continuum here. You don't really want me to preview the game, do you? Uh, very quickly, what are you? No flack. I don't think anybody's playing. Yeah, no Flacco. Right? Flacco's not playing. Nobody's playing. Yeah. Um, well, I, you know what I think will happen? The, the Atlanta Falcons will know that Frisco is watching dutifully from his couch, and he's all geared up and lubed up to watch Matt Ryan play, so they'll let Matt Ryan play all four quarters so he can give Pete a good show. <laughs> that's my that's my preview of the of the Hall of Fame game. Um, which uh, I could be wrong. I might be right. Which young wide receiver will step up for the Broncos? That's the big question. Should it be Deshaun Hamilton? No, because I think he's hurt. Cortland Sutton? Maybe. I don't. I don't know. It's it's it's. That's really... who I would go. That's who I would go with. I'll be interested to see what. I mean, I don't know if you saw some of the quotes from Fangio early in camp. About Drew Lock. Basically, was calling Drew Lock a thrower and not a pitcher. You know what I mean? Like I read it like as if a manager was like like Nuke Lelouch. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Well, we know he can throw really hard, but he can't pitch. He basically said that our he basically said that Drew Locke has no touch on it on the on the ball, like, yeah. which is sort of a problem. That he knows how to throw a football, but he doesn't necessarily know how to quarterback. That's sort of a problem, and so I mean, I do think people want to see Drew yeah. Locke because if if Drew Locke isn't ready to play this year and Joe Flacco gets hurt, which is a Joe Flacco thing that he's done in the past, yeah, that's going to be a major years. problem. Yeah. Um, also curious to see sort of how. Uh, hold on, the freaking commissioner has issued a. Uh, oh, okay, good. Just uh, never mind. Um, not not a suspension related thing. Uh, you always see statement from statement from the NFL and you get a little panicked. Um, and then oh, know, yeah. the Falcons. I think it's imperative that the Falcons get out of this game with no healthy. Inj- healthy. Just yeah, yeah. Because Caleb McGarry is having some sort of procedure that cost him yeah. six to eight weeks previously. That's a bit of a red flag. Defensively, they just, they're they're a ton of stars on that defense, but they don't have a ton of depth. So, got to be careful. And um. What will what will your what will your weekend in Canton involve? Will you um, you know, will you? I, it will apparently it will involve a lot of standups. Will do you know what you should? From my email today, you know a lot you... of standups from the stadium and from outside the Hall of Fame and from anywhere. If I, Jason, if Could I be anywhere, if I overnight a shirt to you that says hashtag No Prisco hashtag No Boselli, will you wear it on your standups? <laughs> nope, I don't understand. Is that? What is that? Oh, because neither one's in. Yeah, neither one are Hall of Famers. Well, people understand that, though, because people might take that as a shot on them. I'm not sure that that's the appropriate hashtag. No, no, we are. We're firing a shot at them, being like, we do not want Prisco in. We, we oh, want... I thought, I thought, but shouldn't it be a shot at the Hall of Fame for those who not being in? Or... Should Prisco be in the Hall of Fame, the Writers Hall of Fame? Why not? Yeah, Have probably... you never had this discussion with him? He's never brought this up with you? Oh, yeah, yeah. Privately, never on this podcast. Yeah. Oh yeah, oh, he's, right, right, right. he's hot and bothered about it. Yeah, I, I, oh, yeah. I, I mean, I think he should probably be in, but I think as someone, yeah, he should be in. As someone who antagonizes him, it is amusing that he thinks that he's like can't believe that he's not in. Um, he should get in a year after he dies. <laughs> <laughs> Would he die? I, I take that back. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, so 2020. You want him in in 2020? on your, uh, what do they call it? Not a death watch. What do they call that thing? <laughs> Where you bet on who's going to die this year? Yeah. What do they call those? Deadpool. Yeah, the Deadpool. I have a Deadpool. You've got Frisco and your Deadpool? I really need 2019. I need the cash bad. Um, alright. That's rough. Yeah, I know. This, this is, this is why it's hard to preview preseason games. You end up having to discuss Deadpools with Pete Frisco. Okay. Go drink your beer. I, okay? I'm, yeah. I'm going so I can go to Ed Reed and Tony Gonzalez's party. That's honestly pretty much mm. why I'm there.
That's pretty awesome. Ed Reed is the coolest man alive. Yes, he is. He's the Dos Equis man in real life. That's a, that's a great call. He, like, he he'll, be, he'll be walking around with sunglasses on, smoking cigars the whole time. Dude, he could walk around like eating an alligator on a stick and you would stand. Ed Reed's a bad member of Jamba. <laughs> All right, GLC. Go, uh, go, okay. enjoy, go enjoy the beer, you. buddy. Always a pleasure. All right. Thanks, buddy.